Welcome back or welcome to the Micro Leadership Podcast. In this series, we will be talking to leaders from a whole range of different disciplines and different businesses. We'll be trying to understand how they got to do what they do now and what their journey has been like. Each conversation will focus on each person's story, the challenges they faced, the successes they've achieved, the failures they've come through, and of course, what they've learned along the way. Each of these conversations will be designed to help you to understand the journey that others take to become great leaders, so you can learn to develop and become an even better leader yourself. We really hope you enjoy this conversation. Happy New Year and welcome to the first episode of the Microleadership Podcast of 2021. In today's conversation, I'm talking to Scott Oliver. Scott has just been made partner at the law firm Lewis Katz based in Indianapolis in the United States. And actually between this recording and uh, going live, um, I heard that he had been made partner in the firm, which, as he puts it, is unusual to have happened this early in his career. So it's a huge achievement for him to have made partner. One of the things that Scott is passionate about and this um, subject talks about is the importance of having goals in our life. And one of the things that uh, um, Scott is trying to achieve is to create a more human view of the legal profession. So in this conversation, we talk about some of his plans for how he wants to influence through his teaching and also his practice the future of the legal profession. And he's also got a wonderful story about how he came to be um, in the legal profession in the first place. So without further ado, let's jump straight in and hear from Scott and hear his story. So welcome, Scott. Thanks for joining me on the Micro Leadership Podcast. It's an absolute joy for you to to be here this afternoon or your time this morning. (laughs) A pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it, Scott. So um, for the benefit of our listeners, share a little bit about what it is that you do. Give them a bit of background on yourself, Scott, and um, uh, and what it is that you do, and maybe how you come to do what you do. Yeah, just general, generally speaking, I'm an attorney at Lewis Capus here in Indianapolis, Indiana, so we're across the pond from you uh, right now. I practice primarily in commercial lending, real estate, and general corporate matters, so my practice revolves around working with banks and non-bank lenders to provide SBA, Small Business Association, and conventional financing at the various companies, whether it's real estate acquisitions, uh, refinances, business acquisitions, et cetera. The other side of that is really just working with businesses, people mm-hmm. of all sizes, from small to large on their general business matters, whether that is an acquisition, whether that's contract negotiation, all the way from startup to scale, et cetera. Outside of that, I'm also an adjunct professor at one of the local law schools here teaching legal writing and communication and analysis. Fantastic. And so when we connected, so we, we recently connected via a, a good contact who's previously been a guest on, on this podcast as well. Um, we, we had a good, good conversation and you told me a little bit of kind of the story that's led you to, to becoming um, an attorney right now. So just, just share for the listeners the, the, that story, because I, I, when I heard it, I, it just, you know, it was um, such a great story. That I'd love for people to, to hear a bit of the background that's led you to, to become an attorney and to do the work that you're doing right now. Yeah, so like many, many, many stories, it started with a girl, (laughs) which is kind of cliche to say, right? So when I was in high school, probably around 
junior year, maybe even a little bit before there was this girl uh, that I really liked. Okay. And this girl was really interested in becoming an attorney as well. And what mm -hmm. does a sophomore, junior high school guy say? Well, she wants to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer as well. That's <laughs> going to be perfect. We're going to both be lawyers and we're going to take over the world together. Right. So I told my guidance counsel, I was interested in becoming a lawyer, really not knowing what that meant. Mm -hmm. But as I went through high school, as I went to undergraduate at Purdue University, et cetera, I really started looking into what it meant to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. And what it meant to be an attorney was really everything that I was looking for in a career. So while it started with that girl, who is mm -hmm. now my wife, <laughs> that really transcended into me understanding what my strengths were, how I was going to use those strengths to help others, and how I was going to find my fit after graduation. Yeah. So as my wife and I went to Purdue University, we transferred from Purdue into IU for law school, mm -hmm. uh, graduated law school, got married after our first year of law school, and really ever since have been following our dreams. Amazing. It's such a fantastic story, the fact that you you met and, and this connection of the law was the thing that brought you together and still retains as a, as a constant in your in your life now because your, your wife is still a practicing attorney just just as you are so i i, I love that, yes, and that that connection she's on the other side uh, she's she's worked on different types of matters she says what i do is boring <laughs> <laughs> but we see things differently but that's what makes it fun it, it truly does and she shares a lot of the same ideas i do about being an attorney and being a community leader and being somebody who you know we don't just sit behind a desk all day in bill hours like a lot of people probably think we usually yeah. use that ability to get out in the community and do good for others it's one of the best things about practice and was that the thing that so as you you said that you kind of came across the the, the legal professional in a um because of you know an attraction to to a girl um but you discovered everything that you were looking for in a career so what was it that that was the thing that really captured you what was the thing that stood out as to why this was the right thing for you in terms of your career aspiration you know and that's a really good question it's evolved over time right so hmm. in that timeline we talked about it started with a girl and it did from then on, I kind of looked at the law as a way to play to my strengths. So what I enjoy most about the practice is that communication aspect, the relationship side of things with clients and building to create something greater. Mm -hmm. So as I realized that that was a path that it could play to my strengths, I started following that in undergrad. Yep. Then as I transferred to law school and even throughout practice, what I really enjoyed about it was not only the challenges that present themselves when you're working with clients, but it's that relationship, right? So you get to see, whether it's a bank, a lender, a business, an individual, et cetera, you get to see them in their time of need. You get to help them solve a problem. And then it's not those hours that you bill at that time, it's that relationship that develops after the project is done. And if that's additional projects in the future, fantastic. If that's just a friendship, a business relationship, whatever it is, I get to see that move the needle forward for them. And that drives me. Yeah, and so when we when we connected um, through through the introduction, I felt that I felt the importance of connection to you in that initial conversation. And then reflecting on it, I guess that's not something you always associate with the legal profession is the importance of that relationship side. But but like any profession, it's got to be based on trust, 
I'm imagining that's the, the fundamental basis of your client relationships is they've got to trust you to be able to get the best outcome for them. So just talk to me about how that's that importance of connection and relationship, how important that is in your in your life and the way that you, I guess, do do the role that you do. So that that role is very, very important. And I think sometimes it is missed in the legal profession. Mm. As, as you said, every profession uh, has aspects to it or stereotypes about it that aren't necessarily true. And I think at least at least here in the United States, sometimes the practice of law and lawyers in general kind of get a bad rap. Yeah. as somebody who sits behind a desk, bills as many hours as possible, makes something as complex as it can possibly be so that they can line their pockets, right? Yeah. And the practice of law, I mean, it's a profession. Obviously, we do have to make money, but if that's all you're looking at, you're not even getting half of it. Mm. It has to be that you work with the client, you provide them a service, but you're also building that relationship to help them get them where they want to go. And if you're doing that, I found at a young age, if you're doing that, business naturally comes because you truly care about what you're doing. Absolutely. Because there is still, as you say, there's this stigma attached to, I think, the profession, certainly over here in the UK and I'm, and I'm guessing over there in the, in the States as well, which at sometimes puts people off from going approaching and getting the help that they really need. And so how are you seeing that kind of change over the, the years that you've been practicing and what are you seeing kind of shifting in that in that in that place right now in terms of how to become more I guess relationship focused I think I'm seeing a change that attorneys are realizing that relationships are important and I'm hopeful that clients or people who are seeking legal advice are seeing that as well uh, because in a time that you know in 2020 when we're behind a screen all the time access mm. to a lawyer is relatively readily available. It's just being able to understand that once you make that connection, it's not about lining pockets. It's not about necessarily hitting a big case or anything like that. It's about being able to work with that person and understand what they need to get them the results they're looking for. And when you um, told people about what you did, you also said that you have been drawn into the the giving back to the profession, I guess, is the way that I would describe it with your teaching uh, and, and helping to lecture in, in law. So what, what, what drew you to there? What, what made you want to um, take that part of, of your role within the profession? So I think it's, it's really important in the legal profession and many other types of professions as well to have mentorships, right? Connection mm. with attorneys, doctors, engineers, teachers, whatever it might be so that a more experienced person in that position can give back to those who are aspiring to be that person in the future. And, you know, I'm not saying that people aspire to be me necessarily. What I'm saying is somebody who is in the practice can go to law students and say, look, all right, you have these 300 plus pages of law that you're reading, you're studying, you're taking these exams. That's great. It's important. It's necessary. Mm. You have to learn the law. But on the practical side of things, Here's what I do. Here's what my colleagues do on a daily basis. Here are the types of soft skills, if you will, the human side of the practice of law that you need to start developing now so that when you get into the practice, you're furthering these ideas that we're talking about right now. You're not that person that's just sitting behind a desk all day. Mm -hmm. You're that person who's jumping into the profession. You're building those relationships with clients. You're getting out into the community. You're teaching, giving back whatever it might be, whatever drives you. You're doing that. 
you're more than just a lawyer. You're really in a profession and moving it forward. I think that's really important because I'm, I guess as I'm listening to you, to you talk there, the professions like the legal profession are renowned for using mentorship as a good way to help develop future generations. It's been a, a, a relatively staple part of, I think, of the, the profession, certainly my interpretation has been. And yet there are so many other business environments where people shy away from that mentorship type relationships or don't, um, don't readily access people. So if you've got people listening to this who are uh, in, a, in a, a business environment and they don't currently have a mentor, what would you say to them? What, what, would you, what would your encouragement be as to why they should go and seek out somebody who is further along the path than they are? I would encourage them to reach out, right? So I, I think a lot of people shy away from that because it's uncomfortable. Mm. Remember that being uncomfortable is not necessarily a bad thing. I have numerous mentors in my life, uh, whether it's uh, related to the practice of law, uh, personal relationships, what have you, they're always there. So if people are looking for that sort of mentorship, send an email, connect with somebody on LinkedIn, you know, similar to what you and I did, right? Yeah. Uh, connect on LinkedIn, do something and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, here's my story. I'm interested in this. I see that you also do this. I would like to learn more about what you do and just have that initial conversation. If it's a fit, great, further grow that relationship. If it's not a fit, that's, that's fine. That's fine too. It's just getting out there. But I think what people need to understand is that even, especially in the legal profession, attorneys are looking for opportunities to mentor others. Mm. You know, in law school, there were mentorship opportunities through bar associations, et cetera, where I would reach out to an attorney in my practice areas or desired practice areas at that time or elsewhere. I, I don't think I ever had somebody say, no, I'm not interested in a conversation. Yeah. Ask, somebody's going to help you. You'd be surprised. And it's something I always, um, I love about mentorship as, a, as an ethos, but I, and I'm always, I think too many people who are the mentees, the people receiving the mentorship, don't quite appreciate how much the mentor learns through the process. I think every time you mentor somebody, you learn something new yourself. And certainly for, for in, in my kind of world in, in the learning and development community, it's a great way to keep up to date with what's happening and, and is new in the, in the sector and the, um, and the industry, because these people are coming out with fresh knowledge and, and updates that I don't receive directly. And it's a great way for me to learn as well. So I, I completely echo your views around just reach out because there aren't many people who are, aren't willing to share their expertise and their knowledge to, the, to, to somebody who wants it and needs it and appreciates it. Sure. And I think another of another aspect of that is if you want to truly learn something about yourself, about practice or, or what have you, teach it. Mm. Okay. So if, if you have a mentee, no matter what experience level you are, you're teaching your values, you're teaching your ideals about the profession, you're teaching your practice areas. And if you can teach that to somebody else in a meaningful, in a good, in a, an effective way, you're learning just as much or perhaps even more than that mentee is. And that only will further your life, your values and reinstate some of those things that you hold dear. Uh, yeah, I, I love that as a concept because it's definitely something that I've um, benefited from through my career in terms of what I do is 
whenever I put together a program or, or a session on, on some topic, it forces me to understand it to a deeper level because I've got to be able to do that, to be able to assimilate it, to be able to present it to somebody else. So it's a, it's such a great, um, a great call out for anybody on this call, no matter where you are in your career, whether you're most senior or most junior in, in, in your particular industry, looking to help and take on board mentorship as a process is such a valuable um, thing to do. So Scott, what, what are you noticing right now? So it's been a really tricky year. What are you, what are you observing? Maybe not just within legal profession, but just kind of just around you. What are, what are you noticing that's kind of the shift that's happening in this very strange year that we're in right now? You can say that again. It's obviously been a very <laughs> strange year. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't wish 2020 on anybody. There's been some aspects that are absolutely terrible. But I, I like to look at the silver lining, if that's possible. And what I'm seeing in the silver lining are some of these changes that you're talking about right now. I mean, if 2020 wasn't happening, I would not be sitting uh, here in my home office with mm -hmm. my almost two-year-old daughter right outside the door, working, being productive, learning how to be productive in a flexible manner, yeah. uh, but also having some of that valuable family time that that we don't really see as much, especially in the legal profession. So. Mm. People are learning what's important. They're learning how to adapt to circumstances. They're learning how to stay productive and they're having conversations and, and opportunities that they might never have had yeah. in another circumstance. I don't know that you and I would be talking if Absolutely. this was a different circumstance because we're introduced in this digital world that we live in now and able to have these types of conversations. So it's, it's, it's terrible but there's also some silver linings to it. And it's important to realize that and really play to those, those, those silver linings if you can. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think what's really interesting because the impression, and I think you kind of talked into it right there in, in the legal profession is it's always been a profession that has been, had a reputation for being really hardworking. Mm -hmm. Long hours, hardworking profession is what sure. you often Feel, and a kind of a culture of presenteeism so the, the more hours you are in the office the better it is that you are at your role is kind of that that, that view which is not necessarily accurate but is kind of a preferred view and that's just not your profession that's a lot of professions and I think this is the, the big thing that we're wrestling with right now in the world of of industry and, and, and commerce is actually how do we move from this model of presenteeism being the thing that um, uh, denotes performance to something else, and I'm not sure we're quite yet sure what the something else is. So, what are you what are you noticing about that transition? Again, you, you kind of talked into the the freedom it gives you on a personal level. What are you noticing, kind of in a, I guess, a wider wider view of that transition? Yeah. I, I think first off, I would agree that the legal profession, especially, does have that you know mentality that you are here, you are billing hours. That is what you are going to do because mm. bottom line is that's business. That's what makes money, right? And it's certainly true uh, to an extent, but what I've seen is that in a profession that's somewhat rigid, right? They're resistant to change. This 2020 situation that we find ourselves in has shown leadership in the law that, you know, you can trust your employees. Hmm. You can trust people to not physically be in an office 10 plus hours a day, billing hours that entire time you can trust them to do their own thing, still be productive in a way that is most conducive to their lifestyle, uh, to their family, to their mental health, uh, yeah. which is very, very critical. And this breakthrough of 2020 with it happening really forced 
the profession to realize that, to recognize it and to see, hey, this is something that we can do. This is working or, hey, if this is not working, mm-hmm. here's how we adapt. And that adaptation is what's really, really important uh, for change, a positive change in the law or otherwise. Yeah, I, I couldn't, could not agree more. So you come across to me as somebody who's got a really optimistic view of the world. You, you come across as somebody who is, I guess, a believe in better, you know, that, that there, is a, there is a better future for us all if we invest time and energy in, in that. That's, that's kind of the impression from our couple of conversations we've had as to, I get from you. Would that, would that be a fair representation, do you believe? Are you, are you a, an optimist at heart? I think so, and uh, sometimes to a fault even. <laughs> That is the challenge. Yeah, I'm, I'm also guilty of that, that, that at that time. So what have, what, have you, what have you learned about yourself as we've been through this year, Scott? What's, what's kind of really resonated for you through the experience that you've had this year? I think it's that you need to focus on the things that are most important. Uh, obviously, my practice is important to me. It's, it's mm. very important to me. Uh, but having an almost two-year-old daughter, having a wife that's here, seeing them on breaks and things like that, it's made me realize how important that is. And, you know, I, I've had people uh, before tell me, and I think it's, it's a little bit of a cliche, is that, you know, you look at your daughter who's however many months old, however many years old, and they say, that's great. Well, you know, they're never going to be that age again, right? They're never going to be that age again. And when all of this started here around March, now yeah. that's about when my daughter took her first steps. And she took her first steps you know, in the afternoon on a day that I would normally be at the office, out on lunch in Indianapolis, something like that. But no, I was here. You know, I, I saw that. And that's that's really shown me, you know, what's important. And outside of that, I think it's the adapting piece. Yeah. Right. So it's shown me that 2020 can be terrible. There can be bad things that happen. But those aspects, while terrible, you learn to adapt. And I've been able to do that. I've seen my colleagues be able to do that. And I've seen the profession be able to do that. Yeah. And to me, that gives me hope that while it's terrible, there is good that can come out of it. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's two re- real, real standouts there in terms of you know, that, that sharing of that moment that you otherwise would have missed out on. And you know, for, for all the, for all the wealth we generate and for all the, the, um, the uh, satisfaction we get from the job we do it's it's those moments that are one-offs that you can never replace which i think are so important for people to get a focus on and you know understand that the value of that and then this this feeling that we are constantly changing and yet i think and i hope in this year that the adaptability rather than calling it change because we seem to have this negative reaction to change as a concept but we seem to um, embrace adaptability with a bit more um, uh, kind of a, a friendly attitude towards it I'm hoping that this year has helped us to understand that we can all adapt and grow and develop and actually that's a good thing mm-hmm. some of it might be for some of it might feel a bit uncomfortable at times and, and generally it will but actually it's a good thing when we when we are forced to adapt because we discover new ways of doing things that we would ordinarily have not had I think that's going to be a really important part of, of wherever we go going forward. Right. And that, that kind of makes me think, too, of, of something that I've heard many people say, and that's if you're not uncomfortable, you're not really moving forward. And, and again, you wouldn't wish the circumstances on anybody. But I can still remember that first day 
when we went on, on quote unquote lockdown uh, mm -hmm. in our city, I went home and I fired up my laptop and I said, wow, this is going to be impossible. How am I going to do this? I don't have a commercial printer that can print me out a thousand pages in two minutes. I don't have a double screen monitor. I don't have access to my colleagues except through messenger, et cetera. Yeah. And it was daunting at first, but days pass, weeks pass, and you learn, well, this is a challenge. Here's how I'm going to overcome it. And mm -hmm. honestly, that makes me a better attorney. That makes my colleagues better practitioners uh, in all different prof professions. Yeah. And that change, again, it's, it's a silver lining that you really just have to keep in mind. So what, what drives you, Scott? What's the thing that keeps you wanting to push? Because, again, I get the sense from you, optimism, but also this this desire to, to constantly improve and be better and to grow as a, as a person, as an individual, as a, and a, as a human being. So what is it that really drives you? I think the, the two things that drive me the most are my wife and my daughter. I, mm. I mean, I can't say that enough uh, to create, you know, a better future for them, et cetera. Um, but that's, I think that is the obvious, that's the low hanging fruit there, mm. uh, you know, behind the scenes of those two primary aspects that drive me, I, I think it would be is, is seeing progress. Right. So I think it's interesting in any profession or at any stage of life, when you have a goal in mind, you hit that goal and you think that everything's going to be perfect. Right. How boring would that be if that was the case? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that, and that might seem kind of silly, but it's the process yeah. of getting to that goal. When you hit that goal, if that was it, you know, I'd be sipping martinis on a beach somewhere and that's the rest of your life to me that doesn't drive me mm. it's setting that goal getting there seeing that process taking that process in whether it's a a major success or a major failure and then getting to that point and then setting a new one and just to keep going that process is i don't think interesting is the right word but it's that fire that passion that you feel in your stomach that you can't really describe and to me, that's what I see every day in practice, working with clients, working in the community, whatever it might be. If I am moving forward, I feel that, that heat, that heat in my stomach that keeps me going. Yeah. And what I, what I love about the way you talk about that is it's not the achievement of the thing that's the driver. It's the work, the process of you going through and, and what you become on the way. And, and whenever I talk about goal setting, I always say it's not the achievement of the goal that matters, but it's who you become in the process of achieving the goal. You know, it's being developing the capability to achieve the outcome rather than the outcome itself. Because you see so many people who get so fixated on a, an output that when they achieve it, they suddenly have this massive slump. They suddenly are bereft of any joy because the thing that was driving them has disappeared because they're so fixated on the thing as opposed to the process. So I think what you just shared is so important for people to, to listen into who listen to this podcast right now is focus on who you become in the pursuit and the process of getting there rather than the output, which ultimately, yes, results matter but it's not so um, critical as the, as the process we follow. Right. And we all have, we all have those goals. And I, I think we should continue to have those goals. You mm. see it every year. It's probably appropriate talking about this, you know, we're getting ready to enter 2021. It's going to be a different year, right? Absolutely. Uh, but when you see the people that are quote unquote successful, whatever that means to you, uh, the people that I see in those positions who are quote unquote successful realize that it's not obtaining that title, that it's not obtaining a dollar figure or anything like that. It is that process mm -hmm. throughout time. And 
if you like that process, if you enjoy and you embrace that process, it's never ending. You know, people talk about retirement doesn't really interest me. Right. I mean, you have to relax, you have to yeah. do what you love and things like that. But I don't think I could think of anything worse than doing absolutely nothing for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, we definitely connect on so many levels, Scott, because I <laughs> feel the same way. I'm so passionate about what I do that I can, can never not imagine not doing it. Yeah, you might want to get a different balance in your life, but it's, uh, yeah. It, yeah, I can I can definitely wholeheartedly agree with that. Scott, if you were to give one piece of advice, so people listening to this podcast, they're either leaders in their own business or they're just setting out on their leadership journey and, and they want to kind of... Um, listen to people from different sectors who have got experience that they want to share. What would the one thing that you would um, advise people listen to this? What's the one critical piece of advice that you might give? That's a good, that's a really good question. I think honestly, the, the best advice I could get is to jump, you know, take that leap uh, and whatever it is, when you take that jump, just keep going, keep mm. growing throughout that process. And while you're doing that or, or, or participating in that growth process, just remember that relationships matter. And when I say relationships, I mean that in the most broad sense that I could possibly mean, not just your professional relationships, clients, business partners, et cetera, but your relationships with your family, hmm. uh, your wife, your husband, your kids, whoever it might be, further those relationships, bring them into your journey. And once you've made that leap, I think you'll find if you foster those relationships, you're going to be happy and happiness is what truly matters. 100% take that jump, but when you're taking it, make sure that you are doing it with a, a view on the relationships around you. I love that. I think it's a really, really balanced way of thinking about actually stepping outside your comfort zone, which is what we've already talked about. So I, I love that. I think it's a great piece of advice. Scott, this has been, been wonderful to talk to you. Where, where can people connect with you? If they want to um, find out more about you and the work you do or just kind of connect with you, where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, best place is probably where you and I connected first, and that's LinkedIn. So search me on LinkedIn. It's Scott A. Period Oliver, or just Scott Oliver. Again, I'm an attorney at Lewis Capus, so you can find me on there. Send me a message. I'd be glad to talk to you more, uh, whether it's via email, phone, or in these times, Zoom conference. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we'll make sure that we put your link into the bio there so and the show notes so people can get hold of you. Scott, I just want to say a huge thank you for joining me today. This has been a, a fabulous conversation. And I, I, I love the way you think about um, not just the kind of way you're designing your life, but also the way that you think into your own personal growth and, and, and supporting others. I think it's um, a great model for others to follow. So I know people are going to have loved this conversation and listening. And so I just want to say a huge thank you. Well, thank you for having me. You're doing great work here. I really appreciate it. And I know your listeners do too. Uh, so at any point, if you want to follow up or, or have another chat, I'm always happy to sit down. Yeah, we'll definitely need to do that. That's, that's great. Thanks, right. Scott. Thank you. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as we did. And if you have, then we'd love you to go to your podcast platform of choice and give us a rating. And what's more, if you've got friends who you know would also appreciate hearing the kind of stories of leaders who are making it in their particular chosen field and will benefit from listening in, then tell them all about it. The only way that we can grow this podcast is through you helping us to get the word out there. So we'd really appreciate if you can share it with those people you know 
who would also benefit from listening in. Thanks very much and we look forward to sharing our next conversation with you.